0: In Luke chapter 5, we're going to be beginning in verse number 3. We're coming back, tying into our Occupy series. And we spoke this morning, if, you, if you're not familiar with the, the Lord's parable that he spoke, was to occupy until he comes. And what he did is he gave 10 pounds or 10 talents or 10 pieces of money to each one of his servants. Before the Lord went away, he gave the same amount of Holy Ghost to each person. He gave the same amount. Now, we all have different gifts. We have different callings, and the Lord uses us in different ways, but it's the same Holy Ghost. And the Lord gave 10 pounds to each person. And if you belong to Jesus, he gave you a deposit or a down payment of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things I want you to see is that God, when he comes back to this earth, he's going to call you to the front. He's going to ask you what you did with what he gave you. If you've been been filled with the Holy Spirit, he's going to call you up and he's going to say, what did you do with the spirit that I poured into you? And we're going to have to give an account for how we operated our lives and how the Lord used us in this life. And one of the things about this occupying till he comes, the Lord's looking for us to either take territory for his kingdom or to preserve the territory that we have for his kingdom. In that kingdom advances in us, in our own lives and in our families, in our church, in our city, our community, in our schools, even in our nation and in our world. How are we expanding or preserving the kingdom of God in our families, in our society, in our world today? God has not called us to sit on the sideline and monitor Facebook and just go, man, it's bad, man, it's bad, man, it's bad. God has called us to to occupy until he comes. And so we have to get in this mindset of getting along with God, hearing this word from God, and following God out into the deep. And so we we got into this, and Peter hit the mindset of it, here in Luke chapter number 5, verse 3, Jesus uh, comes up to Peter, he entered into one of his ships, which, which was Simon's, and he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Now, most people that I know would stop right there if Jesus asked you to do something. If if Jesus asked you to to, to do anything, go, you know, share the gospel with a loved one. Pray for a loved one. Intercede for a loved one. Go encourage somebody. Lord, we've been been doing that. We've been doing that for 15 years. We've been doing that. We've been doing this. We've been trying that. We've been doing this. Most people would stop right there. We, We would just tell the Lord, we've already done that. We've been there. We've done that. We've got the T-shirt, Lord. We've got the T-shirt on the trying. But I love what Peter says. He said, we've toiled all night. I mean, we have worked. We have worked. But look at that next verse. He said, we've toiled all night and taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. At thy word, I will let down the net. It was when the Lord spoke that word that everything began to change because of this one thing, this one thing Peter said, nevertheless, Peter said, nevertheless, it wasn't about his will. It was about God's will. You see, the Lord was doing this. The Lord was performing this. The Lord was authoring this. It, and he was showing how he's the master of the ocean, the master of the sea. And, and one of the things that Peter needed to come to grips with was that he would have to surrender his will in order to see the beauty of the Lord, in order to see the magnificence of Jesus, in order to see that Jesus is who he said he was, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Lord, that he was the master. In order to see the greatness of God, he would have to surrender his will to have his eyes open. If if Peter would have said, "Forget it! I've worked all night. I've tried. I, I, I've put my best effort into it, and nothing happened. I've tried that. I've been there. I've done that." If he would have if he would have had that attitude, he would have never seen how awesome Jesus is. One of the best stories we have in the Bible is how Peter lets down the net, and all the fish literally jump in the net. That's one of the best stories in the Bible. And it would have never happened if Peter would not have said, you know what, it, 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 it must be something about this person. And I must lay down my will and let his come up. Amen. And Jesus even modeled that when he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Before he was crucified, he he crushed his own will, his, his personal will, so that he could do the will of the Father, which was to be a sacrifice for our sins, to die that debt that we deserve at Calvary, so that we would be redeemed, so that we would be restored. He let his own personal will go so that God would be glorified. As he was lifted up on that cross, God was glorified. You see, it is in the crushing of our wills that we'll be able to have our eyes opened and see the greatness and the magnificence of our God. But if we never release our own will, we'll always be closed-minded and closed-hearted and hard-hearted, and we will always be looking at our own self and never at the beauty of God. God designed it so that we must come to the end of self before we see the beauty of the Savior. God designed it that way. John the Baptist hit on this same message. If you'll turn with me to John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. John the Baptist hit on this very same message. Very important concept. And John the Baptist says in verse number 30, very famously, he said, He must increase. Speaking of Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. You see, one of the things that sometimes we miss in this passage right here is that John the Baptist was the prophet of the hour. People were flocking to John the Baptist. They were running to him. And do you know that John the Baptist was doing something that you never see ministers do today? He was turning people away from the altar. He was turning people away from the door of the church. There was people coming to church because they just wanted to fit in. They wanted to look religious and they wanted to do what everybody else was doing. And John the Baptist looked those very, see square in the eye and he said where are the fruit of your repentance in other words don't you come up here with this fake religion if you're coming to god i'm here for you we're going to baptize you and you're going to have your sins forgiven but if you don't come with the fruit of repentance which is a broken and contrite heart if you're not broken in sorrow over your sin then god can't do anything for you you must first come to that place where you're broken and contrite over your sin and that is the same way with our wills. As we see this mindset for the kingdom of God, in order for you or for I to be, to, to be useful for the kingdom of God, to occupy till he comes, we're going to have to come to this place where in our minds we, 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 we say the same thing. He must increase, but I must decrease. There's, there's two parts to this. It's not rocket science. There's two parts to this. But you know that you've got to have both. you got to have both. You can't have one or the other. You can't miss one of these. Because if Jesus increases but you never let yourself go, guess what? He's one God among many in your life. And, you know, that's one of the problems we have in the church world today. He's just a God. If, Jesus, if all Jesus is just a God, if he coexists with Buddha and Muhammad and all these other gods, then there's no problem with the world. They'll never come against you. They'll never push back against you. The devil won't mess with you because he's already got you. If he's just a God, when you, when you say that he is a God, there's no problem with the devil because that's what the devil wants to be, is a God too. He didn't want to remove God from being God. He just wanted to be like God. He said he wanted to be like God. And one of the problems we see is a lot of times we say, oh, yeah, you can talk about Jesus, but just, you know, don't, don't say that he's the only God that there is. He said he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. He said that he alone is God. And, and so one of the things that we see in our in our world today is that there is that a... a, a, a a propensity to have one of these sides of this verse without the other sometimes people will 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 talk about Jesus but they just Elevate him to the same level as Muhammad or as Buddha or as Gandhi or as any other kind of new age religion that there is. He's just one among many. You just try this one and try that one. And, 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 and one of the things I want you to see is the second half of that is, but I must decrease. That's the, that is where self begins to get crucified. That's where self begins to come to that altar and be sacrificed unto God. And, and, and that's the place where the rubber meets the road. And in our lives, if we, if, if we never lay down ourselves before the feet of Jesus and never empty ourselves of self so that he may fill us, then we'll never see him for who he is. We'll never see him for all that he is. We'll always be missing the power of God in our life. This is one of those things that, that is, it, you can't pass this step. You can't bypass it. You can't sidestep it. You can't get around it. If you're going to be a man or a woman of God, it's going to be because he's increased and you're decreased. God's not going to share glory with anyone else. He is God alone, and he doesn't share glory with anyone. And, and so if we're going to be his people and we're going to be vessels for him, he's going to take the rule and the reign of our lives and not share it with us. He's not, he, look, he's not going to share the steering wheel of your life, isn't it? You know, have you ever seen um, two, two, like a man and a woman in a car and, and, and sometimes, you know, they're like, oh, we're going too fast. Oh, you're turning too close. Stop, stop, stop. And, and you know, you kind of got two drivers up front. And, you know, that's how a lot of Christians are today. They, they have two drivers up front. We, we try to give the Lord the wheel a little bit, but then we take it back when he asks us to do too much, when he asks us to forgive this person, or he asks us to, to serve him, with, or he asks us to forget about ourselves and to think about others and these types of things. But, but notice here also that there's another end of the spectrum. He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Another problem that we see in our society today is that some people just preach the decreasing of self, but they don't preach the increasing of Christ. If you only decrease self, but you never exalt Christ, all you are is a humanist. All, all, all you are is a, a selfless humanist like Gandhi was. All you are is you might as well be a monk that burns yourself in front of you know, a crowd of people just to, to show how humble you are and how, humili- how much humility you have. But, you can, but Paul said that you can give all your goods to the poor. You can give all that you have to the poor, but if you don't have the love of God in you, it's nothing. You can give all that you have to the poor but if you don't have the love of God in your soul it's nothing that's what Paul said in the love chapter the first Corinthians chapter 13 you can give all that you have you can do all look you can you can uh take a a piece of beef jerky and divide it up six billion times and feed the planet with one piece of beef jerky you could do that but you know what if you don't have the love of God in your soul all you are is a humanist on your way to hell That's what he's saying in 1 Corinthians 13 is that that, that there has to be both of these things working in conjunction with one another. We can't rely on just the decreasing of self and just how good we are and how humble we are and how, how, how much humility we have in our life without also exalting Christ, without lifting him up so that he is Lord of all, so that he is Lord of our lives, so that he is all that our heart longs for. In in, in in our own lives we we face this daily we face this daily this this uh issue that John the Baptist hit on right here is the issue of the hour both of these are necessary but but Jesus must increase more in our lives today than yesterday. Jesus must increase in your life and in my life more today than yesterday he must be on it exalted more he must be worshiped more one of the one of the problems that we have um, in our lives is that sometimes we get in a rut we go through the motions and we 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 get used to things and you might even get uh in a in a habit of doing devotions you might even be in a habit of doing devotions is but but not necessarily being devoted to god do you know that you can do things for god but actually for self and 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 out of conjunction with god how can you do devotions without being devoted to god It's when the words just become empty words. It's when the prayers become vain. It's when they become repetitious. It's when you do things just to do things so that you can say that you did things. Is so that you can serve just so you can say you served and so you can get the t-shirt to show that you served and so you can get your name on Facebook to so, show that you served so that people know that you serve, so people know that you are the head of this club or the head of that club. But, but it means nothing if you don't have the love of God in your soul, if you don't have the power of God in your life, if you don't have the presence of God dripping from your life, if the people around you, the closest... If the closest people around you can't tell that the Spirit of God is dripping off of your life, then it doesn't matter how many t-shirts we get for how many teams we serve on. It shows that we're doing something for the wrong reasons. And Jesus even hit on that in the Sermon on the Mount when he talks about prayer and he talks about giving. He said to go in that prayer closet and shut the door behind you, right? Right? Our society, I think, the, the, most churches or most ministries on Facebook would collapse if they had to do that. Shut the door behind you in the prayer closet because how are people going to know that I'm praying if I got to do it alone? It's secret. You know, the Lord said in the same passage in, in, in Matthew chapter six He said to fast and don't tell anybody. Anoint your face with oil so that it doesn't look like you've been fasting. Well, the question you would have to ask yourself is, how will anybody know that I'm fasting if I don't tell them? Because God will know. Because you're fasting for God. Because you're magnifying God. Because you're, you're lifting up Jesus in your soul. Nobody else has to know. And there's a problem, there's a dysfunction in in our society when we have to do whatever we do and let everybody know what we're doing and why we're doing it. When we start the year out with 21 days of fasting, everybody knows that we're fasting, we've already got our reward of men. There's no reward from God. If we've got to tell everybody how much money we give, we've already got our reward. If we've got to tell everybody all our prayers, we've already got our reward. That's what the Lord said in Matthew 6. I would rather have my reward from God. I would rather have the Lord's favor than man's favor. I would rather please the Father than please men. I would rather serve God than serve men because man has always been a taskmaster but God is a burden lifter. Man always seeks to place his hand on you and God seeks to break that hand off of you. But yet, we just run right back to men. We run right back to being men pleasers. We run right back to seeking the affection of men, to please men. But you know what? Sometimes we we go and we run after men's affections more than we run after Jesus. We try to please men more than we try to please God. But it says, John the Baptist hit it on the head. He said, he's got to increase. I've got to decrease, guys. Now, he was speaking prophetically, he had a following, he had this ministry going on, and he had to, he had to decrease, he had to, but you have to too. And I would just like to see how many people would say, you know what, Lord, I need less of me in my life. I mean, if you think about how much stuff is being pumped out into the Christian church today, it's all about self it's all about how you can get a greater anointing and how you can get greater giftings and how you can do this and how you can do that. But John the Baptist here, he said, I've got a decrease, guys. It's not about me. It's about Jesus being lifted up. It's about Jesus being being exalted. It's about other people seeing Jesus and not me. It's about people hearing His voice and not mine. It's about people following His teaching, not mine. And so... Whenever you see a man or a woman being used by God, they are either exalting self or they're exalting Christ. They're either lifting up Jesus and pointing you to him or they're lifting up themselves and trying to devise a way to get you in their system under their hand to get their eye on you. And, and you have to come to that place where you realize, you know what, I would rather, so much rather have my burdens lifted at Calvary than have more burdens put on me by a man. I would so much rather be, 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 be broken from those bondages of men because men, listen, men are never satisfied. Men are never satisfied. They always want more from you. Men are never satisfied because they'll always, they're fickle too because you'll, be, you'll, you'll strive the best you can to please somebody and, and, and then somebody new will walk in the door and they'll capture the eyes of a man. You, you'll never be able to please a man. But you know what? God was perfectly pleased in Jesus Christ. He said of Jesus Christ, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And I want you to know something. Jesus invites you. Jesus invites you to come into himself to be clothed with his righteousness to be filled with his spirit to be renewed by him his personal self that when that when God sees you he sees Jesus in you that when God looks on you he sees Jesus see we're we're not here to 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 get our own medals of honor and our own strivings but we're here to to exalt Jesus that his kingdom advance One of the things that we spoke about as we began this series on occupying is that we've got to come to that place where we're no longer about our own agenda where we're no longer about our own goals, we're no longer about our own business, our own house, our own dreams, our own efforts, our own agendas, but we come to that place where we seek God's house, God's agenda, God's plan, God's kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That was part of the Lord's prayer then and it's still today the same thing. If you ask... Most people, it would be about my kingdom come, my will be done now. This is the mindset of modern Christianity. My kingdom come, my will be done. Whatever I speak, Lord, do it. And they try to snap their fingers like God is a beckoning boy or God is a genie in a bottle seeking to please them. That, that God is the clay and they are the potter forming him, telling him what to do, when to do it, and how high to jump. We've got the roles reversed. We need to repent. We need to come back to that place where he is exalted and we are decreased where we come to that place where we empty ourselves of self and we're no longer about our agenda. Our house, our kingdom, but now we're about His house, His agenda, and His kingdom. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. That's the model prayer. That's the goal that we have, and that's what John the Baptist touched on right here. But notice that you got to have both parts of this prayer. you got to have both parts of that verse. He's got to increase, and we've got to decrease. If all you have is the increase, but you never decrease, then guess what? You have competing, you have competing messiahs, you have competing gods, you have competing lords, and God is, is, is Lord of all, or he's Lord, not Lord at all. He's got to be all, and all, amen? One of the things that we see is that there's got to be this, this both thing, the increase of Jesus and the decrease of self. The increase of Jesus and the decrease of self. Um, Turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. I'll show you how Paul touched on this. Galatians chapter number 2, Paul touches on the same issue. The exaltation and magnification of of the Lord Jesus. You know, we need an increase of Jesus in our own selves. Amen? Amen? I want you to listen to me. When 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 John the Baptist said that he must increase, he wasn't even only talking about just an increase in the outward preaching. Do you know that John the Baptist needed a savior too? Come on, now you now you're thinking. John the Baptist needed a savior too. He knew that he wasn't his own savior. His ministry was to point to the Messiah. His ministry was to point to the Messiah, and God told him, when you you baptize the right God, you're going to see a, a dove fall on him. You're going to see a dove fall on him. And he knew, when he baptized Jesus, he knew what was happening. He knew. Amen? He knew it. And I want you to see this. John the Baptist knew that Jesus had to be increased, not only in preaching, but in his own life. He needed a Savior too. And sometimes when you hear something like Jesus must increase, you think, well, okay, i got to turn the volume up and just shout Jesus louder. Well, that's true. You do need to shout Jesus louder. But you know what? You need to think on him deeper, too. He needs to have more of your heart. He needs to have more of your mind. He needs to have more of your soul. He needs to have more room in you than he did yesterday. We need Jesus more today than we did yesterday. And we're going to need Jesus tomorrow. Look at the world today. Look at the world today. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. It's getting darker. It's getting more depraved. You're going to need Jesus more tomorrow than you do today. It's going to be harder and increasing until we see the return of Jesus. It's going to get harder and harder and harder on the Christian. There's going to be a pressing against the church. If you give in and compromise, the world will, will laud you and praise you and clap for you, and you won't have any issues. You'll be successful, and you'll be the, the, the pleaser of men. But if you don't compromise, if you hold to the standards, as Ian Paisley said, stick to the book and hold to the standards. If you stick to the book and hold to the standards, the world's going to come against you in an increasing manner, day by day, hour by hour, minute by by minute season by season president by president government by government society by society month by month they're going to come against you more and more if you stick to the book and hold to the standard and what you'll see is it's going to increase it's not going to get better so we need more Jesus we're going to have to surrender more daily. We're going to have to get alone with him. We're going to need to, we need to have those secret times of prayer, not just so that we can have a good church service, but so that we can walk in that anointing of God in a dark, dying, and decaying, and depraved world. We're going to need that anointing of God because, listen, the world is out to destroy the church The devil knows that his hour is coming up. He knows that it's about over, and he's seeking to destroy all the low-hanging fruit that he can. This is not the time to backslide. It's not the time to compromise. It's not the time to be prayerless. In other words, as Jesus said, it's not the time to be a foolish virgin without any oil in your lamp. It's not the hour to, to be sleeping with no oil in your lamp. This is not that hour. It might have been that way in the 1900s or the 1800s. It might have been that way 20 years ago. But listen, things are different now. Things are different now. The enemy's on the prowl. The Lord is, I believe, getting ready at this hour to blow that trumpet and come and get the church. This is not the time to be a sleeping saint with no oil in your lamp. This is the time to press in and break through to to allow the Lord to have more of you, that he's increased and you're decreased ever more every day. Are you with me? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul got on the same thing, but I want you to see that it is that influence over your heart that the Lord's looking for. Not only that you shout Jesus louder, but that he's got more influence over your life, in your prayer life, in your devotion to him, in, 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 in your Bible study, in your inward growth, that there's more Christian character, more fruit of the Spirit in your life. You know, as, as God grows us, He grows us. And the way that we know that we're growing is by the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the way that God judges that we're growing in Him. And, and one of the things that we see here, Paul gets on it in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. See, he, he hits on that same word that Peter hit on. Nevertheless, nevertheless. I'm crucified with Christ. Now, if if he stopped right there that I'm crucified with Christ, it would kind of be open-ended. It would just kind of be open-ended, but there's an important principle in here that, that, that Paul speaks on. Very important principle that Paul speaks on. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. In other words, spiritually, theologically, Doctrinally, in principle, in reality, I'm crucified with Christ. But I'm still alive. I've still got my flesh. I've still got, you know, I've still got to clip my fingernails. I've still got to cut my hair. I've still got to wake up with my own self every morning. And I'm, but, you know, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So God has you here in this temporal house as a crucified vessel. How important is it to hear the rest of what he's about to say? Look at this. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's alive, yet not I. In other words, this which is alive now is not me. That's what he's saying. Yet not I. He said, I'm crucified with Christ, but my heart's still pumping. I still got blood in my veins. I still got a haircut, but it's not me that you're looking at. It's not me that you're looking at. Yet not I. What does that mean? That phrase, yet not I, speaks to the crucified self. The crucified life. It ain't me that you're looking at. Me done went to Calvary. Me, me done surrendered to the cross. Me done surrendered to Jesus. Me, me, me is gone. It's not me, it's not about me, it's not about my, it's not about I, it's not about my house or mine. It's not about my kingdom, it's not about my dreams, my agenda. It's not advancing me, it's not advancing my house. And I'm not trying to occupy territory for me. I'm not trying to invest in the kingdom for me. It's not about me anymore, yet not I. But what? But Christ lives. But Christ lives, meaning I've given myself to Christ. I, I, I may not want to talk to you, but God does. I may not want to forgive you, but God does. I may not want to love on you, but God does. I may not want to pray for you, but God does. I may want to sit on the couch and watch, and watch TV and eat potato chips, but God wants me to pray. God wants me to study his word. God wants me to be devoted to him. God wants me to pursue him. God wants me to be not about my own, my own kingdom, my own agenda, my own self, but about him and how I can please him, honor him, glorify him, and magnify him in this house that he's given me in the time that he's given me because there's coming a day when the Lord comes back and he's gonna say, all right, brother, I gave you the Holy Spirit. What would you do with it? And don't forget that that one guy, the one guy that that received, but he didn't do anything with the the talent that God gave him, he called him a wicked servant and cast him out. You you can read the parallel passages of that parable in other places, but, but the Lord told him you were a wicked servant and he cast him out. He took that one that he had and he gave it to other people. Lord forbid that happens to us. But I believe there's going to be sleepy saints or, or, or those, those foolish virgins that don't have the oil in their lamps on that hour that they may hear wicked servant. And you can go back and you can read Matthew chapter 7. Those people, they prayed in Jesus' name. They laid hands on the sick in Jesus' name. They prophesied in Jesus' name. They did all these wonderful works in Jesus' name. And Jesus said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Oh, brother, we got it going on. Our church, we're, we are prophesying. We are laying on of hands. We're doing this. We're doing that. But well, you know what? Unless we're doing it from a place of devotion to God in conjunction with God, with that anointing of God in communion with God, unless we're doing it for him, for his kingdom, for his glory to magnify Jesus, unless we're doing it from that place and that heart, and guess what? He's going to say, depart from me you worker of iniquity, even though you did all these wonderful things and did all these wonderful things even in his name. They cast out demons in his name. It didn't impress him. didn't impress him. It, but yet it, 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 it impresses others, right? It impresses others. If, if something doesn't impress God but it impresses men, guess which one the church usually does. Guess which one the church usually does. Let's announce a 21-day fast as a church. You don't think God knew about it, you didn't have to announce it. So he says, it's no longer I. Yet not I, I means no longer it's no longer me that's living. It's no longer me. In order, for, in, in order for me, think about this. I want you to see this, this correlation. In order for Peter to see this great harvest of fish, in order for Peter to see what God could do, he first had to empty himself of self. He first had to say, nevertheless, at your word, I'll do it. He had to empty self of self to see the beauty of God. And you know that there's some people that that they just will never see how great God is and how much he can do until they empty themselves of self. Until they come to the end of self and they say, you know what, Lord? You know what, Lord? I I don't think this is going to work. I don't think this is happening. I don't know what you're doing. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm I'm at my wit's end. Nevertheless, Lord, you spoke it. I'm going to do it. And that's exactly when we'll begin to see God open up heaven and pour down those blessings on our souls. That's exactly when we'll begin to see breakthrough happen is when we let go of self, when we let go of our own will, when we let go of our own agenda, our own plans, our own opinions, our own thinking. And we say, you know what, Lord, at at your word, I'm going to do this at your word I'm just going to take you at your word you said it I'm going to do it Peter didn't I mean he didn't think twice I I think he just you know the Lord told him to do it he's tired he's exhausted you you see me working I know how you are when you work too I'm tired I'm just tired I don't really care about thinking too much I'm just ready to get the job done and here Peter is he's got the job done he didn't catch anything he's tired he's picking everything up he's wore out He's been fishing all night. He says he toiled all the night. And Jesus said, let's go back. Do it again. Let's go back and do it again. And he said, Lord, I've been doing this all night. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll do it. That's when faith. You know what? I believe that that, that, that endeared Jesus to Peter right there. I believe that endeared him because I I believe Jesus saw something in Peter, which you know he does because he can see the heart of men. But he saw something there. He saw that faith that would just believe without seeing and understanding, without putting up our own opinions and saying, Lord, that's silly. I've already been. We'll go back tomorrow. We'll do it another day. You would have missed God's timing. If Peter would have said, look, Lord, I'm going to go home and rest, take a nap. I'll come back tomorrow and do it. I don't think he would have caught another fish the rest of his life. Sometimes God will have you to come forward. He'll have you to come, come to the altar. He'll have you to come pray, get hands laid on, be anointed with oil, surrender self. But he has specific times that you need to be obedient to his voice delayed obedience is disobedience ask any parent clean your room clean your room clean your room how many times i gotta tell you to clean your room i'm gonna do it next friday mom oh yeah that's obedience but it's delayed that's disobedience ask any parent and what do we do with god What do we do with God? See, I I believe right here there's an important principle of the laying down of the will. It's about doing what God says when he says, and not thinking out all the possibilities, not looking at all the things. One of the things you see here in this passage on Luke 5, whenever Peter said, nevertheless, at thy word, think about it. Who is it that when Jesus beckoned to come out and walk on water, who is it that said, yes, Lord? Peter didn't think about it. He just did it. He didn't think about the ifs, the ands, the buts. He didn't think about how deep it was. He didn't think about how dangerous he was. He didn't think about any of that stuff. He just heard the voice of Jesus, and he followed the voice of Jesus. He only began to sink as he began to look at the waves, which I'm sure you've heard a message about that. I'm sure I preached one. But I want you to see, it was that, that obedient heart that obeyed Jesus initially, that initial obedience to the voice of the Lord. And don't you know that if Peter would have told Jesus, when Jesus told him to go back out in the deep and cast that net again, don't you know if Peter would have said, I'll do it tomorrow, he wouldn't have caught a fish. It was only in that moment when, when he said yes to Jesus that everything began to change. And that faith, I believe that faith in dear Jesus to Peter He just had an affection for Peter from that point forward. There's no mistake. I mean, Peter was part of the inner circle that Jesus had of the apostles. And why? He had that endearing faith. He just believed. He went out and did. He obeyed. And you see it right there. And if you're going to be used by God to occupy territory, to further the kingdom of God, you're going to have to have that mindset where it's not your will, but it's God's will. You lay down self, that Jesus be exalted, that you not be about your own kingdom. Or your own agenda, but God's. And when God speaks, you don't go through all the realms of possibilities. Well, if I do that, then they're going to make fun of me. And if I do this, then I'm never going to do that. And if I don't do this, then I'm not going to have that. I'll pray about it some more. I'll, I'll think about it some more. I, I, I'm going, I'll, I'll, think, I'll, I'll just stew on that one for a while, Lord. Well, if Peter would have stewed on the command of Jesus, he would have never caught any fish. And if, you're, if your nets are empty, if your nets are empty, it could be because of delayed obedience. You, you may know the right thing to do. You may, not, you, you, you may hear the voice of the Lord. You may know what you're supposed to do. But if you delay on doing it, you may be missing out on a harvest that God has for you. You may be missing out on a harvest. You, God may be able to use you in ways you never thought possible. I mean, he used Peter to catch more fish than he thought possible. When he saw all those fish, he fell down and called him Lord. Yeah, I mean, he fell down at the feet of Jesus when he saw all those fish. I mean, God may be able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you ask or think. Don't you think that's possible? Don't you think that God may be able to pour out upon you a blessing more than you can hold? But we'll never be able to do it if we've got to methodically think through it. And we've got to plot every detail and we've got to, we've got to dot every I and cross every T before we do things and stew over those things. God's looking for people that are not about themselves and not about their agendas, those that are crucified to self that he lives in. Amen. But de- delayed obedience is, is, is oftentimes just masked disobedience. You see that? Delayed obedience is oftentimes just masked disobedience. He, said, he says here that it is, it is not he that lives, but Christ lives in him. I, w- I want you to make this correlation also with John the Baptist. John the Baptist said he's got to increase. Paul here is saying it's Jesus that lives. He's saying I'm not living, I'm decreased. Jesus is living Jesus is increased. This, this, what Paul's preaching right here in this passage is the exact same thing that John the Baptist preached. He said, I'm crucified, but I'm alive. But it's not me, it's Jesus in me. Is Jesus in you? Is Jesus in you? Is he increasing in you? Is he increasing in you? John the Baptist said, He's got to increase. I think that John the Baptist knew Jesus. Do you? John the Baptist was a preacher of righteousness. He was a preacher of repentance. God used him to turn the heart of a nation, to prepare the way of the Lord. I believe John the Baptist knew Jesus. And yet he said Jesus got to increase. I understand you may know Jesus, but I'm telling you Jesus has got to increase in order for us to be effective for the kingdom of God, in order for us to walk in that anointing of God, in order for God to use us to bring in a harvest of fish, whatever that may be, you can categorize that on your own between you and the Lord. But but as God uses you to catch a harvest of fish, it could be your child, it could be your grandparent, it could be your cousin, it could be you starting a revival in a church somewhere, it could be God using you to, to pour out the Spirit upon a, a number of people however God uses you to catch the fish I'm telling you right now it's not going to happen if we're not decreased and God's not increased in our lives if we don't have this nevertheless mindset you know what Lord it's not about my will it's not about my will it's about your will I will follow you where you lead don't mistake what Peter said at thy word at thy word I'll, I'll do it at thy word not the word of men Not the word of men, not the plan of men, not the method of men, not the religion of men, not not any of that, but at God's word. What God said took preeminence over everything else in Peter's life, and that's what endeared Jesus to him. And God's no respecter of persons, he'll do the same thing to you. If you take God's word and you let that have preeminence over your life, it will endear the heart of God to you. God loves those that believe. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. You must first believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of what? Those that diligently what? Seek Him. Seek Him. Not their dreams. Not their plans. Not their life. But God's. Those that diligently seek God. You've got to believe And I want you to know that if you'll do that, it'll endear the heart of God to you. He'll see you from a mile away. You'll be the apple of his eye, just like everybody else that believes is the apple of his eye. David was a man after God's own heart because David had faith. He had faith. And if you'll believe, God will will do the same thing in your life. Your, Your will must be released as a seed. This is one time you might hear me preach on seed. <laughs> your, your will. I'm not after your wallet. I'm after your will. Your will has to be placed down at the altar as a seed. And if you'll lay down your will, let it be crucified under the Lord, you'll begin to see His will exalted over your life. Sometimes we can't see God's plan for our lives because we're so clouded and convoluted with the dreams and the plans for our own lives. Sometimes we can't hear His voice because we're too, we've got too many uh, things going on in our own ears about our, our plans and our agendas. But our will has to be laid down as an offering to God at that altar. And when you do, His will will begin to rise in your life to lead you and guide you. I promise you, I promise you, You'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. You'll never regret giving your all to the Lord. I don't ever want to go back and regret not giving all to Jesus. I don't ever want to look back and say, you know what? I I could have been more about the kingdom than I was. But I believe every single one of us could say that. I believe it. And so we, we, we need to cultivate a heart in our own selves to seek Him, to seek Him. Just like we just said, without faith it's impossible to please Him. But He's a rewarder of all those, right, that believe that He is and diligently seek Him. Now pray with me right here. I want you to know that God wants to do a work in you, but, but that work in you is twofold that you decrease, and that Jesus increase. In the book of Colossians, it says that Christ in us is the hope of glory. It says Christ in us is the hope of glory. You know what? The world don't need more of you and don't need more of me. The world don't need more of my church, more of your church. The world don't need more of my denomination, your denomination. The world don't need more of us. It needs more of Jesus. Christ in you is the hope of glory. And Christ needs to be growing in you. Christ needs to be growing in me. Christ needs to be growing in our church. We need to be moving forward towards God. Amen.